Hey everyone, welcome to the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, everyone is dying to know. Dying. Truly. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, John, it's a great time of year. This is actually one of my favorite times of year, believe it or not, because this February-March season is when we're coming out of those bitter cold temperatures. Uh, you know, the sun was up when I went to work and when I came home the other day, like that's great news. And it's almost time for us to start talking about birds again, your favorite time <laughs> oh of year. Gosh. And we just might have to ask our guest about birds eventually too. Rumor has it, he enjoys them as yes. well, but I'm excited for our conversation today. Okay. Let's not talk about birds. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I'm so excited today because we've got one of the directional leaders of Life Church, a church based in Oklahoma, in studio with us today, Jerry Hurley. Jerry, good to have you here. It you is, enjoying uh, Minnesota so far? Anyone? So far, hey, but the weather's been great. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I've got to see the sunshine yeah. and what, high 30-degree temps. <laughs> Apparently, it's like summertime. People are oh. just taking clothes. I mean, it's just it amazing. Short, short sleeve shirts. Um, this is but, great. Yeah, it, it is short, it's short <laughs> yes. sleeve weather here, and it's in the 30s, but, but it's been great. I, I love Minnesota, actually, every time I get the chance to come here. Visit Eagle Brook, obviously, or even just to come. Minnesota is yeah. one of our favorite states. Awesome. Now, well, do you want to admit anything about birds before we get in? <laughs> hey, well, I love birds too. Hey, oh we, my we, gosh, I warned blue you jays guys. and cardinals and <laughs> all mean, kinds of different birds. It's awesome. You're in a good place. Uh, That's good. I'm embarrassed. I'm just surprised that you yeah. don't like birds. <laughs> I mean, I've got what a, do birds ever do to, to you? Do. I've got a life. I've got kids. <laughs> He's too young. He's too young. <laughs> Give him time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. But I'm going to let Jerry introduce himself a bit more. But first, let me say a few things about him and why we're so excited to have him with us today. As I mentioned, Jerry is one of the directional leaders at Life Church, more specifically, team development leader at Life Church, a church with Jerry, 39 locations mm. around the country in 11 different states. That's hard to even get my mind around. Now, he's been on staff for almost 24 years, and under his leadership, Life Church has grown from a church of a couple hundred to well over many tens of thousands of people, including a massive reach online. In many ways, Life Church has been the leading innovator in doing church online, streaming messages from one location to another physical location. De developing the YouVersion Bible app. Don, do you use the YouVersion Bible app? Absolutely. Just open it up and it works for I you. Well, it. they've got a team of people who are developing that. Oh, yeah. Just recently passed 500 million installs. Amazing. And now, of course, they're doing church in the metaverse, which we'll talk about if you're like, what are you even talking yeah. about? <laughs> now, all those things are incredible, but what we want to talk to Jerry about today is how to build a healthy culture, because those things are a byproduct, I think Jerry would agree, of a culture that is healthy enough to innovate, take risks, make mistakes, and push the boundaries. Now, it's no secret the last couple of years have been challenging on all workplaces, mm -hmm. let alone church workplaces, and Life Church year after year with, again, almost 900 employees, team members, is known for having one of the best work environments in the country. Mm. In fact, in 2021, Life Church became the only company in Glassdoor's history get this, to earn the number one spot as the best place to work in the country in back-to-back -back years. Come on. <laughs> Goodness. Mm. And Craig Rochelle, who's your senior pastor, said this, this award is a reflection of your leadership, Jerry. Mm. Jerry, are you feeling embarrassed sitting in yeah. your seat? Okay. Because yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're a humble guy. This is probably too much. <laughs> mm. But we bit. just want to start by asking, what's the ride been like at oh, Life Church over gosh. the last 20 it's, plus um, years? It's been literally the ride of a lifetime. Um, 
just, you know, you never start to think when you come on staff. Originally, I came to Life Church as the executive pastor. The church was about 750 at that time. But you, you never imagine, just like you've probably never imagined everything that God would do through Eagle Brook. You just don't think that way. You just wake up in the morning, try to do your best, um, and uh, just try to get out of God's way. And, and that's, what, that's what we've done. And God has done just some really incredible things. In fact, sometimes you look back at it and you think, it's hard for me even sometimes figure how we started there and got here today. You know, because there's so many different pieces. And, um, you know, you look at a church like Life Church today and you think, oh my gosh, we would never, how would you ever get that way? But it's possible to just do what you can a day at a time and God's going to do the rest. And, and so, anyway, so that's been great. I've been married for 40 years to my high school sweetheart, Annette, and we've got uh, three children. Uh, two of them are in ministry at Life Church, so that's exciting. And then we have two grandsons and we have a granddaughter on the way. And uh, Hattie Kate is going to be here in May, and we're excited to meet her. So anyway, so that's that. It's just been it's been the ride of a lifetime. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it. Awesome. That's awesome. Hey, just getting to know you a little bit more, what were you doing prior to Life Church, and what kind of lessons, experiences did you learn from that that you brought into your role? Yeah, so I, I don't have a classic ministry training at all. I came out of the business world, which a lot of people on our team have done. And uh, so anyway, before that, I was in retail for about 17 years. I started my career with Montgomery Wards and just unloading trucks, working on a loading dock, and then kind of worked my way up through there. And Montgomery Wards, you know, it's out of business now, which does not surprise me at all because it was a really rough place to work. Um, uh, And then ended up leaving Montgomery Wards and went to Target and uh, worked for Target for seven years. And I ended my retail career at Target as a district team leader for the Oklahoma and West Texas stores. And so I had the multi-site experience with that. And and it was really interesting how that might play into it because Montgomery Wards had a really horrible, I mean, it was a toxic culture in every way, shape, or form. I mean, going to Target, which is really a really well-run company with a really great culture. Mm. And the the difference between, I don't know if I hadn't experienced the one, I would have appreciated the other. And so it just helped me understand how important culture was from that experience, actually, and seeing what a great company could feel like and and do like even though you work hard, it just felt different. Mm. So anyway, so that's kind of um, that. And and the, what I what retail did really set me up, particularly in the multi-site area. I had no idea that Life Church would be a multi-site church when I went to work there. I had no idea how all that would play in. But it turns out when we ended up going multi-site and being a church that was multi-site, not just a church that did multi-site, mm. and we reorganized our structure. Actually, I just ripped off the structure that I'd learned from Target and just <laughs> and just kind of reapplied it in a ministry context. So mm. it's not like it was my idea. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Target. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Target. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Hey, speaking of ripping things off, uh, <laughs> we've ripped a lot off from you, Jerry. I mean, so many things, even I think we've talked about this on the podcast, a recent change a year ago with our campus pastor model that we now have a regional campus mm-hmm. director model. So I have uh, three regional guys that report directly to me that oversee the campus pastors. The way we've set up our ministry structure, uh, our hiring event, we now have these associate uh, mm. pastors, ministry associates too. I mean... Uh, the list goes on of things that we've stolen, or I should say you've inspired in with us. Your you with your permission, okay. of hey, course. Yeah. Look, <laughs> hopefully we'll get into a few more of those. You can't but. steal stuff. <laughs> Nobody can steal stuff from you that you stole from somebody else. <laughs> That's great. It doesn't well, work that way, right? <laughs> but, you know, these last two, two years particularly have been especially difficult, and you guys are known for culture. So especially over the last year, in spite of all the challenges, how have you created uh, a healthy culture? Yeah, it's really a great question. You know, I just start off by saying, first of all, Life Church is what I would say is a mission and values driven organization, right? So 
the mission is at the forefront, which for us is to reach people for Christ, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And then, then we have this set of values that we really believe support that, that mission. And so everything revolves around those things, how we, how we onboard people on the team, how we organize a team, what, what we reward, what you get in trouble for, all those things focus back to our mission and values. And it's interesting when the last two years specifically, it's just really interesting how the world is probably as polarized as it ever has been before. And, and that can that can come into your, your team as well because what you realize is that while our team is united around our mission and these sets of values that we have are pretty much innate in who we are as people, but we still have a really diverse team politically, ethnically, culturally, um, a, a lot of different ways. And that shows itself up. In fact, you know, even I think Eaglebrook might be this way too, but, you know, denominationally, we have literally people from every denomination on our team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not part of it. Yeah. Um, and so the only thing that we're such a diverse team that the only thing that unites us is our mission and values. Mm-hmm. So when, when the world and, and everything in the world is trying to pull your teams apart and trying to polarize and divide, and mm-hmm. what we had to do is we had to really intentionally rally the team back very openly. Uh, we had a, um, a lesson that we did. It's a, a, a unified team in a, in a polarized world. Mm. And just helping our team recognize what truly is the only thing that really binds us together as a team are these things that, that we're all passionate about. And it, we had to be very intentional about refocusing our team's energy and focus and collective self-identity into, man, it's these mission and values that we hold so dear to us. That's the thing that's going to get, if we hold on to that and we can rally together around those things and push that noise to the background, then God's going to be able to do everything that he wants to do through us. And so we spent a lot of time, energy, and effort focusing our team back on the things that truly unite us as a team and move the focus away from the things that might polarize us or divide us as a team. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, just to pull it back a second, let's define culture. Sure. If people, you know, they're a leader of an organization, leader of a church, and they're sitting there thinking, what is my culture? What what is culture exactly, and how do people identify it? Man, you know, I've I've described it as a lot of different things. Um, You know, sometimes I think of it as like the operating system. Uh, in your any computer, it's 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 how things actually get done. You know, you've got all the hardware pieces, but how do you actually get stuff done in a culture? And what's the method methodology for how that happens? You know, another way I've described it is, is you know, it's the it's the stuff that the fish in the fish tank swim in. Mm. You know, it, it is it healthy? Is it clear? Is it? And so so that that's that's it. And it, sh- it should be something that is is identifiable and clear. And it just gives team members a roadmap to. Okay, how do I get things done? How do I relate to? How does the organization relate to me? How do I relate to the organization? How does the organization relate to the world around us? Uh, what what is in bounds and what's out of bounds? Um, so it, it's all of those things is what culture is, and it's literally the glue that holds all the people together and gets them going in the right direction. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. well said. Um, we we talked a little bit about just the last year and how you focused and rallied people around mission and values. Was that true for just last year? Or in general, there's a reason why your staff continue to vote it as one of the best places to work in the country, if not the best place. So what are some other things that you've done to create a great culture at Life Church? Like looking back over the years. Yeah, I, I think I think it's one, you have a sense of, yeah, first of all, define really who you are and why you are. You know why do we even exist, and what's really important to us, and that's where you get your mission, your values. Your values just a reflection of what's really important to us as a group. 
uh, because because values. What I tell people is is values are expensive. Mm. You know, when you, when you hold a value, you can almost promise that holding a value is going to cost you something somewhere along the way. It's either going to cost you because, let's say, excellence is a value. It is for us. Well, excellence is one of those things that it's going to just take more time and energy to be excellent, right? Um, integrity. It's just there's going to be deals that you won't do and things you will not do that are going to end up, because you're not going to take the shortcut, it's going to just cost you more effort, more energy and time. And so first you have to recognize that values are expensive at times, but they should be. And what I tell people is that if you say something's a value, but you can't ever see where that's actually cost you something, where you ever say no to something, or then I don't know if it's really a value for you at all. But anyway, so what we try to do is we try to understanding who we are and why we are by our mission and our values. Then we look for people, and we don't actually try to put our values into people. What we try to do is find people that our values are already innate in who they are. Mm. They share our passions. Mm. They share our our um, ideals and the attributes of what it means to be a team member at Life Church, and then then I can focus on instead of trying to stick something into them that's not innate to who they are, I can then focus on drawing all the amazing things out of them mm. as team members. Uh, so that's what we try to do, and I'm not going to say we're 100% successful at it. <laughs> but uh, and then what we try to help. But the thing about when we bring people onto the team, we know that we're looking for these values in them, but they don't know what we're looking for. But we think that they're innate in those people. So then once they come onto the team, then we just explain it, help them understand what it means, help them understand how the values actually pertain to them, what it actually means to be lived out on a day-to-day basis. And then we just try to keep that in front of people all the time as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And it's here's the thing. Culture is not about trying a bunch of new things. In fact, that's actually counter, counterproductive to culture is always introducing new things into your culture. Mm-hmm. What we try to do is we just try to is just say the same kinds of things over and over and over again. So the the, the real secret to a great culture is just repetition and consistency. <laughs> That's it. But it's boring as leaders, mm-hmm. right? It's just, man, I'm going to say this another time. I want time. something new. I yeah. want something new. But <laughs> yeah. actually, that's the thing that... Um, that you have to be really careful with because if you're always introducing new stuff, nothing ever gets traction. Mm-hmm. Can you just give us a couple of those? Give us a couple of examples of either staff values or some of those that you're looking for, some of them that maybe rise to the top? Yeah, well, obviously, um, integrity is our number one, uh, one of our core values. So mm-hmm. We've got two sets of values. One's we call core values, but we call them aligning values. Yeah. And because what we mean by that is that if you're going to be on our team, if your values are aligned with our values, then then we'll be able to walk this path a long way, mm-hmm. and and they won't diverge because we're aligned. Our values are in sync with one another. So integrity yeah. is obviously the first is first one. So you can't hire somebody in your team without integrity and expect them to learn integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, and then passion for for lost people. That, that's yeah. the second one, and then you know things like sacrifice is one of our values too. And what does sacrifice mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, willing to sacrifice in ministry because ministry is. This sacrifice is part of ministry. There's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the values. And then we have what we call uh, sustaining attributes. And and those are per, like Lencioni would pre- describe those as permission to play values. In other words, to be on our team, there has to be certain skill sets or certain attributes that need to be true of you. You know, the Olympics are right now. You know, if you're going to mm-hmm. be an Olympic hockey team, you got to have some skills. Yeah. But if you're going to be on our team, there's got to be some things that are true of you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so part of those is a work ethic, mm-hmm. um, and so our um, resilience is 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 critical. Uh, flexibility, you know, mm-hmm. those are important. Humility, teachability, those are some of our attributes. And so, so those are just some examples of some of the things that we bring on the team. And the reason we've kind of defined those is because they're really hard to teach. Mm. 
right? It's really hard to teach a work ethic or hard to teach some of those things. So we try to find those um, those attributes in people, and then we can then draw them out. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. I mean, those are some big words: uh, integrity, uh, vision, and such. How do you? How do, is there? Do you have any practical advice on how to instill those in people? And maybe. You're right. You're saying you find people with them because you yeah. can't instill them. But is there a way that you can take the plaque off the wall and all those great statements and actually put it into your employees to help with culture? Yeah, you know that's the thing, and and I, I think that's the tension. And and I think more often than not, we just really work hard to find it and already and and uncover yeah. it in people. Really, mm. um, even in culture, you know, when we talked about the challenges that the last couple of years have brought to a culture. You're not going to typically build your culture in those times. It's going to reveal your culture, mm. right? You're going to reveal the weaknesses. You're going to reveal the strengths. It's more revealing than anything else. Um, and so I, I think that's what we do. And, and then what we what we do is once we bring it with people that 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 we think have this stuff inside of them, there's still quite a bit of process in understanding how does it actually work in this context, mm. right? And that's what we help. We have to help them see themselves in the story. Of, of Life Church or in the story of Eagle Brook and say, okay, here's here's the story of everything God has done here. Here's how you fit into the story and here's how together we're going to move to the future together. And if you can help team members figure, like put all that in a way that makes sense, then I think you've got, you're headed in the right direction. But then what you've got to do is just make sure that as leaders, when you make decisions, that they're in line with your values. And I think that's the, that's the confusing thing for people mm. is when we as leaders do things that are, that are counter-cultural is what I'll say. Um, and so anyway, during the, these difficult last two years, we've worked really hard to every big decision that we made, whether it's when we reopened or when we did whatever it was or how we responded to different things that were going on around us, we worked really hard to say, we're doing this because of this value. Good. You know, this is why we're doing it. And we just had to help people connect what we were doing with why. And that had a real settling effect on our team. It gave them confidence that, oh yeah, you say that's true, and now I can actually see it. And we try to do intentionally connect the dots whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think something we've learned about this, and it's a little bit assumed in what you're saying, is you part of the hard job of leadership is articulating these values and yes. the mission and uh, where you're going. And I think a lot of leaders kind of have the assumption that we all know this. I mean, we've been swimming in the same pool yes. for a while. We all know this. But what you have done so well, and I think we've learned from you and have tried to do, is put these things into writing or to create a podcast or a video about that. And and even if it's not all figured out, I mean, maybe this is a word of encouragement to leaders is you have to articulate it. You have to find a way to articulate it and then repeat it. Mm -hmm. And even... I think we stole this from you too, but even before somebody comes on staff here, they have to listen to a podcast of us talking about vision culture. And they staff to, alignment. Yes, and here's what you're, yeah. that's right. Here's there's a permission to play to stuff. Yeah. There's videos they have to watch before they come on staff, before they even go through the interview process, I should say. should say. And then in the interview process, they have to listen to it all again. And then if they yes. come on board, they got to listen to it again in the first day. And then they get like a three-hour version of it. I think it's at month three or six again. Yes. And I will say one of the last questions we ask someone when they're finishing up the interview process is like, hey, you've heard all of these values, you know, how we should be aligned as a staff, our beliefs. Is there anything? I mean, yeah. it's your chance to speak to it. Yeah. And we've tried to weed through all those things, mm-hmm. but man, it's a heavy, heavy process to sort through. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think all, all organizations have a culture. 
But the first step of leadership is articulating that yes. and then making sure that everybody knows this is what really matters to us. And then it's the repetition that you have to get in and even visuals or clarity. And, and all those things are so important. So a lot of people think that you know, development starts when somebody actually joins your team. But what, you've, you, you, what you live out and what you realize is development for a person actually starts the very first interaction when, when they express any interest yeah. at all. You're starting to develop that person and help them understand what's really important to you. Mm-hmm. And here, the truth of the matter is, for somebody that's not excited about that, they'll opt out. They'll opt out. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. you want. You want the process to be clear enough to where somebody that really isn't excited about that culture to say, man, I want to go somewhere else because I don't, I won't like it here. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah, I, I want the people that don't like it here. I want to know it before I invest <laughs> yeah, in it true. and just save us all a that's whole bunch true. of heartache along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but all that is is so all that is so true when it comes yeah. uh, to culture for sure. We we've we're not perfect at this by any means, and we admit that frequently on this podcast. But one of the most common comments I hear from people, I do a ninety day check in. I think you do a one year check in with people who yep. just report up through you somewhere. Right. Um, and one of the most common comments I hear is, "Oh, all that stuff you guys talked about in the hiring event and the process, mm-hmm. all those things you said you believed, you actually do." Mm-hmm. So like, there's almost a surprise when people go through the orientation, the hiring yeah. process, right. all that stuff at the beginning. Ninety days in, they almost have a sense of like shock. Like you are actually living these out. Go figure. By the way, I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah. But yes. but and that's a good testament that that we're saying yeah. and putting into practice consistent values. And then then I think the next thing once you get to that point, I think one of the things that's really critical to culture taking taking hold is when the team members themselves begin to own mm-hmm. the culture for themselves. In other yes. words, it's not about, like, you know, you know, Craig says the, the glass door thing, and it's a reflection of my leadership. Well, actually, it's actually a reflection of 900 team members that are willing to every day say, you know what, it's my responsibility. I'm, I'm going to yeah. make this a great place to work. I'm going to show up to work and bring my best self. I'm yep. going to show up to work and bring the best version of me. I'm going to show up to work and I'm going to I'm going to represent what it means to be a, a, a part of the Eaglebrook yes. team or part yep. of the Life Church team. And so it's you know Paul said Paul said imitate me. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand what if you want to see what it looks like to follow Christ, imitate me. And as Christ followers, we should do that. But also we should do that as as people that are on the Eaglebrook team or people that are on our, our volunteering or what, whatever that, and just like the life you're saying, if, if, we, if every team member and every person that would say, man, this is the place that I call home and this is the place that I'm excited about and this is the culture that I want to be a part of, if every one of us will just say, you know what? I'm the example. I'm the living, breathing example of what it means to live these values out. And when you can get to that point, then um, it, it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how many states, it doesn't matter how far flung the organization is, there's a there's a living, breathing representative of the culture right next to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you started answering a little bit where I was going to take this because a lot of these things, values, mission statements, staff alignment documents, they can be just words. And now you're saying these are living, breathing examples, but talk about some practical ways you actually can ensure that people are living out these values. Like things like do you give people trophies for being good value carriers? Do you recognize people? Do you promote them? Do they move? Like, how are you ensuring that 900 team members, and, and again, probably you don't have 900 perfect team members. We don't. I don't but, know if we have any perfect team members. That are, that are living don't. out these They're values people, across right. 11 states. Like, how are you keeping this all aligned here? Yeah, you know, the, the, 
In fact, it's really important to know that people mess up all the time, right? And people make mistakes, and yeah. they do dumb things, and they and they're people. At, even at your church, yeah, every, okay, everywhere. Good. Right? That's good and, to and know because so, it happens so here. Here's, oh. here's, here's, here's the important <laughs> thing about having a culture that's really clear. It becomes really obvious when behavior is outside of the culture. Mm. A lot of challenges with culture that is not really clear, it's kind of muddy, like I don't really know what's expected of me, then there's no way to really correct to it because nobody's really sure what's even the right thing to do. So even even if it's, I would say I'd rather have a culture that's not great, but that's clear. Yeah. Than one that maybe a little bit better, but it's not as you know what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe that's impossible to even no. get. But yep. but I'd rather have clarity. And so yeah, people do things all the time that don't quite line with culture because emotions get in the way, and and you know there's a lot of different things that go into that. But then a lot of times, if it's really clear to see that for everybody that man that was really a misstep, then a lot of times the the correction happens even outside of of a leader, just a team member correcting another team member or a team member, you know, encouraging another team member in that way. And then the other things too, again, if it's clear, then you have to be able to correct and have corrective conversations. Our review processes are built, our, our values are woven into our review processes. So again, all of the human systems want to be going in the same direction you know, it'd be weird if your if your review process was completely disconnected with your value system, then that would be weird. Yeah. All right. So so we just try to reinforce those things. We just try to, you know, when we see somebody that's that's leading or behaving in a way that's not culturally correct, you have those conversations that that can correct along the way. And you have to be willing to, if somebody just can't get there, you have to be willing to to, you know, separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we we hate it when that happens. It doesn't happen often, but you have to be willing to go there because uh, the the good of the organization is bigger than any one person, me included. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That might answer a little bit of my question too. Is if you were to advise a leader who smells something unhealthy in the culture, any suggestions on a leader that's like this? This last two years has sent us sideways a little mm-hmm. bit. I can just feel it in the air. Uh, the employee satisfaction is low. How would you respond to that? Any suggestions to someone that might be feeling that right well, now? Actually, I think I've got some some good news for that person. Good. And, and here, here's the thing, because I do think that times like this, even in our culture, some things, it just revealed where the stress points are. Mm-hmm. You know, where as leaders, we need to dive in and dig and be more clear and be more in, in tune with what's happening. And so I think that was the case for everybody. And, and in some cases, these kind of times reveal what's true of your culture. So I think probably cracks and weaknesses are probably more evident. They probably showed themselves more clearly. So here's the good news, though, is that right now people are more used to change and pivot and the unexpected over the last two years, it's changed people's mindset to that, right? You can't even make vacation plans these days without and, and count on them actually happening. No. Okay, so so here's the thing. Use this sense of people are are at a pattern where where patterns are completely shifted. Everything is up in the order, is up in is up in the air. So now's really a great time to make those cultural shifts and changes because people are are willing and more accepting of change right now than they are probably at any time in the last 10, 15 years. There's a moment in time where um, that what's gone on around us has kind of helped our society become more pliable. So use that as an opportunity to make some of those key changes because I think in three years that's going to pass. 
and people are going to go back into being more set in their ways. They're going to be. It's just going to be more business as usual. So if you're going to make those changes, now is the time to make them because one, the weaknesses are probably more evident to you. It's probably easier to talk about it because they're evident to everybody else as well. And so now would be a great time to make those course corrections. It yeah. really is a unique time in history mm-hmm. to do that. You said um, crisis reveals how your culture is doing. If you were to advise other leaders, um, hey, here's how you assess your culture. Like, how do you get a pulse on your culture? You mm-hmm. even said um, at dinner last night that you sensed going around to your staff around Christmas time. Staff was just tired, so you were mm-hmm. having one-on-one conversations. Sure. You were getting, but what what kind of tools do you have to assess? how your culture is doing. And and by the way, I'll, I'll kick one down the line of something we stole from you, I think, too. Yep. <laughs> Probably everything at this point we've stolen, but no. it's uh, <laughs> called Q12, right. the Gallup survey. You guys didn't create it, but you kind of right. referenced it and used So we we are now sending that out to our staff on an annual basis and kind of get a pulse on how they're doing. But besides you know, things like that, how does a leader assess how their culture is doing? Well, I do think tools like um, an anonymous tool like Q12 around a very specific group of questions can really help you understand, especially if your questions are more pointed to what's really, can I get the, what's really the top of mind things that people are concerned with or worried about? or, or And so I think those are really helpful, especially if you have a metho- methodical way to do that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and a consistent r- rhythm of those kinds of things. I think that's helpful. And then otherwise, it's just great communication. You just, you do have to be willing to go have conversations and have tools with which you can get unearthed feedback. So we use... Uh, Fifteen and five, which yep. is you know, oh, a yeah, lot of people do that too. too. And, <laughs> oh, and so, but that's a way. You know, yep. we didn't build that either. But that's no. just a way yep. to you know, you just ask. You know, it gives you the ability as a leader to ask all kinds of different questions all yes. the time. And I can I can look and see everyone in my downline. I can kind of get a sense of what's going on out yes. there. Yes, you know what's going on in different work centers. Yep. What's going on with different leaders? And 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 the truth of the matter is, while Life Church has a great culture. Honestly, what it feels for somebody to come to work every day is really directly associated with the leader that's leading them. Yeah, yep. And so to the degree that your leaders are are, are great leaders, then people are going to feel great. But when you have a leader that's struggling for whatever reason, yep. man, everybody that reports to that leader is going to struggle. Yep. And it's just, that's the truth of it. And so it just helping us understand those things and coming alongside and developing uh, leadership talent, helping our leaders grow and continue to get better. That's you know we say okay what what's the biggest thing for Life Church in the next five years leader development yeah it's probably the same I said Eaglebrook what's mm. one of those things we is going to be leader development you would, all yeah, the time that's what we just talked about a big a, a meeting we had with our top thirty leaders in our church and that was what came up leader development and it's just it's just critical <laughs> yeah right. at the end of the day right. your culture can never be better than the leaders you have in the organization yes, it right. just can't right yeah so good well Jerry uh, turning the page just a little bit here as a leader of one of the most innovative churches in the world. What is your hope looking forward for the Big C Church? Well, one, I just um, hope that that it just I know the church is the church is so resilient, which is the great thing about it. But one, mm-hmm. I hope that the Capital C Church really takes the kind of the challenges that we faced in the last couple of years and really work hard to to take the what what we've all learned about you know physical attendance or online attendance or how does a church reach people in different places and actually do a really good job of trying to, to connect those two things. You know, we, we're trying to, we, we call it hybrid church, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the digital and the physical experience and, and they're both needed and necessary. They're both vital parts of reaching communities. Um, and I think they're going to be more interchangeable than they probably have. They've probably been 
always that interchangeable, but now we're just probably realizing how how fluid that those dynamics can be sometimes. And I think just stepping into that and embracing that is going to be really important. But at, at the same time, you build a church a person at a time, a life at a time, mm-hmm. and, and nothing's going to change that. And so one, it's like, how, how do we continue to step forward? But how do we stay relevant to the people that we're trying to reach? And if we can do that, then the, the message is going to draw people to itself, right? Christ is going to draw people to himself. So we just have to do a great job of finding out how to represent that to the to the people that we're trying to reach in a way that they can connect with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that, then I think the Capital C Church is going to be fine. Well said. Yeah. Hey, I got to ask, uh, speaking of innovation, what's the next innovative frontier that churches might be considering? I mentioned the word, so I'm going to feed this one a little bit. You got to. Metaverse. Of course. Of course. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> of yeah. course. Let's talk about this. What? If you're not and, in the metaverse right now, you're, you've missed it. Oh, no, I'm so just kidding. Far oh my I'm gosh. just so far back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, the metaverse is. Uh, there's a lot of exploration to do. It, it's, um, you know, right now it's probably uh, it's 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 at its infant stages. You know, it's not the first time that virtual church has been done, even though VR and those kind of things are making it a little different, a different experience. Life Church you know? had. Virtual church in virtual church when it wasn't even really a thing. Oh, virtual yeah. church like four in or second five life. years ago, back in right? second longer, life, longer. Yeah, yeah, longer yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. So you know, it's just something that we're looking into. Uh, you know, you've got virtual reality. Then you got augmented reality is the other piece that you've got, yeah. and, and that's really interesting. Uh, so uh, you know, it's, it's innovation is. I, I think innovation. A lot of it is just just trying to figure out. Okay, where are people at? How do I connect with them? And you guys are investing even more in you version. Right, yes, even more and more. You said yes. you maybe are planning to double your staff team and investing yeah. more and more resources yeah. into it because 100%. that's where people are. And and, and we want to do a, a, a good job of connecting, not just people to to you version as far as a Bible reading plan, but we also we want to connect. We want to try to bring in a way we connect connect churches, yeah, and the people in churches to there. So try to find a way to connect all of those different kind of things. And and so you version is in a pretty big expansion right now, and we have some real exciting things to make you version even more robust, a better experience, and and just a, more ways for people to engage with God's word, which is the whole purpose of it. So not to put words in your mouth, but hybrid church, the future is hybrid. People are going to need a physical location. Yes. People are going to be reached online. That's how you guys see it. Yes, it's not, it's, not it's, either it's not or, either or it's both and. Yeah, and they're they're more interchangeable. And how you even bring the virtual experience into the physical experience, and how do they interface better? And so just that that the the, the clunkiness that we felt uh, uh, in early 2020. Just how do you smooth the edges out, and how do you make that more seamless and integrated? To where it's not viewed as almost two separate things, and that's a big shift in thinking for church leaders yeah, too. Yep. Um, but but here's the thing: I think you know people are people, and people inherently there's a part of humanity that wants to be with other people. Yeah, and there's a reality of of, of connecting virtually that is it's going to be here, but it's going to take both to really yeah. change our communities, and so just step into both and and um, and. Yeah. Just step into both is what I would say. Yeah, it turns out you guys may not need other people, you two, but you just need birds. Birds. (laughs) You have friends that are birds, you're good. That's a whole (laughs) other approach. You know, one of the things that uh, you've just said that I've loved, and I think we try to do this too, is that the mission is unchangeable, but the strategies change all the time. time. Hmm. And virtual reality is kind of the buzzword of the day, the metaverse. I personally do think that's where it is. There's going to be a lot of development in that. And so the hybrid of both in person, which I think will always be there, and I think is fair to say a preference. You know, like, well, you want to be face to face, 
But these other strategies work too. Mm -hmm. And I think some leaders and maybe even pastors are holding on to the pre-pandemic, let's go back, let's get people in the room. And if you're holding all your eggs in that basket, you might be missing out on some opportunities, especially to reach people. Absolutely. There are some people that you're not going to reach unless you're in the space that they're in. Mm -hmm. And they're not gonna be in our building right now. Yeah. And so that's okay. Right. Uh, But for the people that wanna be, Make it a great experience for the people that want to be here and physically. And so, again, the, the, and they and they should work together. Mm-hmm. And and we should have a collective as church leaders. We should say, you know what, that is part of our church's reach. Mm-hmm. And they're both valid, and they're both they're both equal mm-hmm. and valid. So yeah. and so that's some shifting in thinking too. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Jerry, thanks so much. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Any final words as you think about? Uh, leaders that are tuning in that you could just inspire, encourage them with? Well, just one, I, just from my perspective, I love Eagle Brook. And we first connected with Eagle Brook probably over 15 years ago now, maybe even longer than that. And from the first time that we've ever had any interaction with leaders from Eagle Brook, there's always been a special connection. Mm. And from my perspective and in our, in our churches and been such a similar approach to ministry and how we just view things and, and God is blessing Eagle Brook tremendously. And I'm just so excited for all the growth that's on the horizon for you, and um, and just 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 know that we're cheering you on, and and we mm-hmm. believe that God is going to do such incredible things through what you're doing here. And so, anyway, love it. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. thankful to be up here and to be a part of it. And and I'm a huge fan. Great. Oh, well, you. let us just say thank you again. You've been a good friend to me. You've been a good friend to many of us on our staff, to our church, and, and truly, your humility, your leadership, your willingness to share open handedly with what your church is learning. I know we made a lot of jokes about taking resources and stealing, but uh, that's because you've offered them up so freely. And if people do want to learn more about what you are learning at Life Church, how can they? I mean, people may not know about this resource. Yeah, so if you go on the Life Church website, you go into the Open Network or Open Resources, and we give away a lot of our resources free, not just the creative stuff, which we do to that as well, but we also give away a lot of the leadership stuff that we do. We give away a lot of the operational things that we do, the ministry things that we do. So anyway, that resource is there, and and um, you know, thousands and thousands of church leaders take advantage of that. And and actually, it's not just resources from Life Church. Because now that we're right. we're we're curating resources that many many churches are giving away, so it is a great place to get resources, yeah. and they're all absolutely free. That's great. That's yeah. right. Well, thanks again, Jerry. Uh, thank you, Don, for being here too. That's all we got for today's episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. We just believe that when leaders get better, the church gets better. And Jerry, you've made us better today, and we're grateful oh, for thank that. Thank you for so having thanks me. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.